So, Halloween. <laughs> this is Halloween. This, this is, is Halloween. 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 Do you know that I wasn't allowed to watch Nightmare Before Christmas when I was a kid? Why? Because my mum thought it was too scary. So I wasn't Aww. allowed to watch any horror or any scary stuff Aww. when I was a kid growing up. And I used to sneak and watch these films at other people's houses and stuff. It was like my real like addiction. It was like my smoking as a kid. Wow. Couldn't tell my mum that I'd watched these horror films because she thought I'd turn out violent and horrible if I watched them. I love that your mum put Nightmare Before Christmas into this category. Yeah. My mum thinks Nightmare Before Christmas is a horror. She still does. Has she seen it? No. Okay. I don't think so. I think she just didn't like the idea of like anything along those lines. Like I couldn't watch anything but i remember watching lake placid for the first time and being like this is amazing didn't you say your dad allowed you to watch life surgeries yep okay i mean what is parenting if not endless yeah inconsistencies (laughs) and hypocrisies (laughs) yeah yeah, no i watched surgeries and my dad would just bring home x-rays for me all the time cool but night before christmas whoa calm the fuck down put the crack away claymation none of that (laughs) (laughs) I love Halloween. Do you like Halloween? I love Halloween. I I just think it's one of my favourite nights. I always think there's something special in the air on Halloween. Yeah, it's weirdly invigorating. Yeah. And I've always been enthralled by the feeling of being close to death. Not in the sense of like, I'm dying. <laughs> We're all close to death. <laughs> but the idea of feeling that intimacy with this kind of concept of otherworldliness is just really 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 refreshing and lovely and i feel rejuvenating for my Mm. my body and soul yeah especially as we come into the winter months and when we're very sluggish all the time it's really nice to be like there be ghosts among us (laughs) it keeps life interesting yeah (laughs) this year it falls on a full moon oh and on a saturday which would have been great news on any other year (laughs) I'm at the beginning of this year being like, this is going to be the most... Oh. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think out of all the things that COVID has robbed from me, and I say robbed, the tours, everything like that, the shows, the money, the mental health, all of those things, fine. Halloween? I know. You took Halloween from me. It is my time. (laughs) I've just got this image of you just being like... But Halloween, cha-ching, not today, motherfucker. <laughs> Too far. I'm just chasing this COVID monster down the street. Like, you will pay. I can't afford January without Halloween. <laughs> so, those of you listening, uh, Halloween is an extremely lucrative time of year for performers. It is a time of year where you all want to lose your fucking mind. You want to throw on your tiniest skirt, put on your shittiest smithy wigs, and you want to walk into the street and you want to live your full slutty life. And we love you for it. We love every part of it. We miss it this year. And to be fair, it's for the good of humanity. For someone who's worked Halloween for the last 10 years, it's good that you're not allowed to party because I don't know what happens, but you lose your fucking mind. It's worse than New Year's. Wait, we haven't done a Jinsalt yet. I know that you're scared of this because you haven't written one, but I have. (laughs) It's not great. I wrote it last week. Jinsalt, the angriest I have ever been before midday. Aww. It's quite nice. 
Gin salt, but for us, every day is Halloween. Hey, that's hey. True. true. Well, Halloween, I know, is a big deal professionally for you. Um, it's not such a big deal at House of Berlis generally, but like we love it. So I will definitely miss not being able to do Halloween properly this year. But personally, I really, really enjoy it. But I'm looking forward to hearing your Halloween tales. Oh my gosh. The things that I will miss, because like one of the things that I do miss is like the weekly ritual where I do start my night with Spookeasy. Mm. Um, those of you listening, that yeah. is the Halloween Spookeasy, which is a uh, temperature at Sway. I've started my Halloween that way for what, the last 80 years? Four? Five years? And it's just really lovely way because it's a lovely way to start because it's a really chill show. I know exactly how it runs. As soon as we come off curtain call, packing my suitcase and just baring my teeth for the rest of the night being like. <laughs> but um, should we talk about Halloween itself first or should we talk about Halloween and burlesque first? What would you like to do? Um, let's talk about Halloween itself as an intro and then we can talk about Halloween itself. I that's think that's cool. lovely. It's lovely. Yeah. I love Halloween. Halloween. So, well, I think we should start with you because I think you researched the original Halloween. Well, i talking about Halloween in terms of as a pagan ritual. Ooh, lovely. Yes, lovely. And I think like every culture celebrates Halloween in one way or another. I think it's, it's reasonably true to mm. say. Obviously, I haven't looked into every single culture, but it seems that most dominant cultures will have a festival that honours their past loved ones and the hidden, the otherworldly around this time of year. Actually, I'd be really interested to know with Aboriginal cultures and Southern Hemisphere cultures, because here, of course, it's our move into winter and it's that kind of, you know, the nights are getting longer and this idea of kind of the harvest being finished and bunkering down for the winter. I was going to say, and like the bringing in death into like, my mum used to talk about it, the pagany stuff as if it was like the winter is death and everything dying and just welcoming it in with spirits and stuff yeah so if you listen to our witchcraft episode you'll know that modern wicca which is a form of modern paganism looks to original pagan traditions but is a religion that's been around only in the modern era so it's kind of this fusion i guess of kind of taking inspiration from original paganism and celtic traditions but sort of reworked for a modern age so in wiccan tradition you have like the life cycle throughout the year so the sun god is born in the (laughs) born in the spring and he dies at this time of the year so he passes into the afterlife and then he's reborn again and that's to do obviously with the passing of the seasons and understanding the cycle of life and kind of embracing that you know we celebrate birth but we understand death as an important part of being alive and that also when people die they aren't gone forever they are still in the world around us they're just not existing on the plane that we exist in at the moment and so the thing that I always really love about Halloween or Samhain as it's called in kind of the British pagan tradition or how it's pronounced. Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah. So those of you who have only ever seen it written down, it looks like Sam Hain. It does. But it, it's generally pronounced, although some people may have slightly different variations of Samhain. And so it's where the veil between the worlds is thinnest is from sundown on the 31st to sunup on the 1st. And so that's where this idea of kind of dressing up comes from, of communicating with those that have passed. And it's actually in some traditions, because the veil is thinnest it's where everybody who has died in that year passes over to the other side but it's where everybody who's about to be born passes over into this world for the coming year yeah uh, a little bit of rose family tradition when my sister was pregnant my elder sister i told her this and years later she was like that really really freaked me out i just imagined my baby soul just flying around me (laughs) really scared me 
<laughs> and I was like, oh, did it? I voice one of was really comforting. Sorry about that. <laughs> I love the idea that the ghost of the dead didn't scare her, but her baby ghost. Didn't yeah, just like, the shit out of her. just floating around waiting to be born. Um, I didn't know that. Mm. That's one aspect that I never heard before. It's also Wiccan New Year. Yeah, I knew the Wiccan New Year. But, oh, that's so lovely. Oh, that's really lovely because for some reason... I just love the idea of loads of really annoying baby ghosts just like swanning around, just shitting everywhere. <laughs> just kicking open the door and being like, hey, bitches. <laughs> yes, he's in also, town. <laughs> also, if they're the baby ghosts, are they the fetuses? Like, are they beans? Or are they like full-grown babies? Or are they the adult souls? Are they the souls <laughs> that would die? What size ghosts are they? Okay, I think we shouldn't take mythology literally. <laughs> no. I think now's the time. I don't know. I imagine them as little Casper the ghosts, personally. Yeah. <laughs> like little floaty sperms, like little tadpoles, that's the word. <laughs> little floaty hello, sperms. Hello, hello. For some reason, the idea of ghost sperm is way more terrifying than any other concept. <laughs> Just like unknown bukkake consistently. I mean, it's got to be a real bitch, though, if you're not due to be born for a full nine months after Halloween. You're like, oh, fucking hell, guys. I could have had a whole other year just floating about, having a nice time on the astral plane. Now here I am stuck with you motherfuckers. Imagine it the other way around, like dying on the second. No, we'd have fun. You hang out with the people that you know, check in what people are saying about you after you've gone, maybe do some fun things. Yeah, Mm. yeah. Yeah. I think think that'd be all right. Do you reckon that people took their own lives on the 31st because they didn't want to wait? I don't know. I think it would be, mm, would it be contrary to pagan? Probably mortal sin to take your own life. Tradition to... Actually, I don't know. I don't know. I just I was kind of like I, I don't know. Like, it's an interesting question. Maybe. Yeah. Because I know if I was like, well, if today's going to be the easiest day to do it, and I know I'm going to die next year anyway. I don't know. They wouldn't know that, would they? They only live to twelve anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> Lol. <laughs> I don't know. I suppose it would be it would be a very ritually significant time to die because it is the embrace of death and the kind of the I think probably originally there'd be animal sacrifices as part of the old pagan ceremonies, not so much of modern pagan ceremonies. And honoring those that have fallen. I think there's something much healthier in marking and celebrating death as a part of the natural order of life, which most other cultures and traditions seem to do better than our general modern day Western European society. Yeah, I fully agree. I think death should be really celebrated and but we just don't talk about it. We still haven't done the death episode. It's just like we don't talk about it to the point where like the average human being has never seen a dead body or maybe seen one by accident or one at a funeral maybe but it's just like it's something that we shun away so much and my theory is is that we shun it away so much because of capitalism but we'll do that in the death episode <laughs> can't wait i'm reading that book you recommended me about halfway through smoke ah. gets in your eyes dear listeners how are you finding I'm it i'm enjoying it it's really interesting it's a lovely easy it's a nice read and it gives you a good concept of death and the funeral business. Yeah, it's the only book I've managed to read more than two pages of in the entirety of lockdown. So hats off to that 
author's ability to write in an easily consumable yet interesting and informed way. Mm, she's really nice as well. What would be interesting on the death episode is if we got our old stage manager from Adabelli to come in because she's retrained. She's a mortician now. Remember Rose? Oh, is she? But she's a full-time mortician. She's been for about two years. Oh, that would be interesting. Mm. Yeah, we should get her in. Talk about death and yes. bodies and how it works. That would be really interesting. We'd like that. Mm. Sorry. Anyway, so... Other cultures uh, celebrating death. Uh, yeah, marking of the, the souls passing over, paying respect and just honouring death being as much of an important part of life as life is. And that's, you know, mm. a lot of modern paganism centres around that. And so it's the end of the year traditionally. So some people celebrate Samhain or Halloween more than they celebrate New Year. And, and people perform rituals to, to honour those who have passed and... Uh, again, to honour the crone. So we've talked in the witchcraft episode about this kind of cycle of femininity because the man passes and re- is reborn, but the woman is the gatekeeper for this journey. And so it's the time where we celebrate the crone, who's the aspect of the feminine archetype, who is in control of death, who is the seer, who is the the person who's connected to kind of planes outside of our own, uh, the mystic, uh, the wise woman. Mm. And that's, again, another... It's to do, you know, of course, with the wisdom of age as well and the understanding of life more the older we get. And I I think it's very healthy not only to have a uh, respect for death but also to have a respect for what aging brings yeah no gosh it's like there's something that always annoyed me people will be like oh you understand when you're older or it'll be different when you're older i used to get really really frustrated as i'm getting older <laughs> i'm wildly understanding that baby lolo was having a great time but she didn't know shit and i don't know shit now but i know a little bit more and i'm i'm looking forward to being old in the sense of what that kind of wisdom comes with and as long as it doesn't come with shutting down and still maintains its like capacity of learning and joy then i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to being like a cougar i'm looking forward to being like that mature devilish woman bring it sounds good no fucks given i know none not even a little bit so you've looked at other uh, cultural expressions of Halloween, is that right? Well, I was really interested in the Americanization mm-hmm. of Halloween in particular because there's so many festivals all over the world that happen around about this time of year, specifically around connecting with the dead. And um, there's a real picture in our heads of what we associate with Halloween. Pumpkins at the door, trick-or-treating and this kind of camp joyous celebration and also kind of a bit of show of wealth. It's kind of become quite a capitalist thing where it comes from a really pagan place of a relationship with the dead. And I know that the Ginsol is slowly turning into an anti-capitalist podcast. Which Which means that we wouldn't be allowed in British schools anymore. (laughs) Oh my God, really? Yeah, they've amended or are proposing to amend... I don't know which subject it would fall into, but like what, you, what ideologies you can and can't teach at school. And on the surface of it, it looks quite reasonable. So, of course, things that are various types of hate speech, you know, things to do with like extremist points of view. But then they've snuck in anti-capitalism and everybody was like, hang on, what now? <laughs> what? Um, yeah, so go what? go Google it. I think there's a Guardian article about it. That's terrifying. If you can't. Yes also like there's so much literature that we would have learned in schools things like well, Brave New Worlds and stuff mm. <laughs> listener if I'm wrong uh, Aldous Huxley or a lot of George Orwell stuff and of course other literature as well yeah, but that, none of George you know, Orwell is anti-capitalist no under this proposed uh, amendment or law change or curriculum change all of that is kind of out the door as well unbelievable so you'd just be raising a whole generation who have nothing other than capitalism as a point of frame of reference to societal standards 
yeah, you're just you're just normalizing, I guess, the world that we that we accept as regular. Because it's only, I think, been quite recently that people have a concept of the fact that the world that we, the capitalist society that we live in, didn't just organically evolve. It was actually a specific ideology called neoliberalism that was very consciously put into our ways of governing. And well, capitalism the episode. <laughs> Every episode is capitalism the episode. <laughs> And uh, and that when I re- started reading about that a few years ago, that was kind of quite terrifying because we we're already normalised to think that like, well, you know, there's the there's the normal way that we run. There's fascism mm. and there's communism, and then there's, there's this tiny little thing called socialism. Depending on where you live, is either the devil or something that's quite nice that tends to create much fairer societies. But actually, the extent to which we live in a construction created to benefit a small group of people very consciously, I think is only really just starting to be talked about in the last few years in a more broader yeah. sense. Um, but yes, yeah, so that would mean like any any literature, any things that would present the fact to young people that maybe this is a, a structure and, and we should consider whether we want it, I think is banned under this proposal. I'll find the link because I could be, I'm not talking bollocks, but I, I'm paraphrasing something that I've read. So I'll, I'll dig out the link and I'll drop it in the episode. Thanks. I think that's one of the scariest things you've ever said in this podcast. Honestly, I don't know why that scares me so much. Like of all the things, it is like, scary. I'm terif- terrified of serial killers. I'm terrified of the way the government's going. I'm terrified of COVID. All those things come with it. But the mm. concept that there is a generation that's not going to be brought up with the concepts of the negative aspects of capitalism and even George Orwell, like it's such an in- incredibly important book as far as I'm concerned. Not the book, writer. <laughs> I love just George Orwell, the book. Did he go to Spain to fight fascists? This was like dropped in passing on a podcast I was listening to yesterday. It wouldn't surprise me. Is it Orwell that said the world would be a better place if everybody just punched one fascist and then like buggered off to Spain to like fight in? <laughs> I wish it <laughs> to was. Fight fascism. What have you done today? Yeah, if that's a not true, it would be a great alternative history. Don't take my word for it. And don't Please go Google punching it. people. <laughs> Or do. That's fine. Punch a fascist. <laughs> and my favourite t-shirt is a wrestling t-shirt that says power drive a fascist and I love it. Power drive. <laughs> anyway, we've strayed from the Americanization of... But we did stray into the Americanization of capitalism. Well, the Americanization of the world. <laughs> oh God, yeah. I always feel but bad for American fashion. listeners, all two of them. Sorry, team. <laughs> we, we do love you. We're a huge fan. One of them is my friend in America. She listens to us. Oh, awesome. Hello. Yeah, we're definitely... Kate, if you're listening, we're getting you in for the um, elections episode because you yeah. know way more than we do about it. She gives me my updates every like week or so. Amazing. Uh, so the Americanization of it, I was really interested in it because my mum always used to hate the Americanization of Halloween. She used to get a little bit frustrated mm. and be like, oh, what well, didn't used to be like this. It's all about buying stuff now and things like that and I'm like it's totally fair like it started happening when I was a kid really where films started representing American ideas of Halloween and streets would become more decorated and English we're quite we're camp but we're quite boring so Halloween was never really like these huge spectacles but now every year I take my friend's daughter out Halloween trick-or-treating because she's she's now she's five and um, we go trick-or-treating around Highgate Oh, wow. And oh, my God. I can tell you Highgate puts on a fucking show. It is amazing. The kids' costumes are incredible. Cafes and everyone on the Highgate High Street in the Highgate Village 
all turns up for it everyone does the dentist has this huge vampire outside their door it's huge vampire and they come out and they give toothpaste and mini toothbrushes out and um there's like two cafes that open up and they turn their cafes into little mini like spooky discos so you can put your kids in there for a little bit and they have a dance around you wait outside That's very cool. have a cigarette or whatever you're doing and loads of houses put in so much effort there's this one incredible old house because obviously it's near highgate cemetery as well which is stunning mm. and every year they do a um, mold site for the adults they have it this huge cauldron and you have like a lovely lovely tankard of mold cider where you can sit on the bench outside their house while the kids play like bobbing apples and stuff in their garden so it's, there's loads of points where you can sit down and enjoy yourself and hang out with people it's glorious i absolutely love it but it's not the halloween that i grew up with in any way shape or form and i was really interested in it so um i was specifically looked into trick-or-treating because that seems to be where it stemmed from this kind of idea that trick-or-treating is kind of what's encouraged people to go around and show off their houses and their wealth and Mm. stuff and it turns out trick-or-treating isn't necessarily american it's actually looks like it's english which is like guising no Yes, that's guising. You're right. It's the idea of dressing up in animal skins and scary things in order to, well, one of the main reasons was to have fun, but is massively associated with scaring away mean ghosts, mean ghosts, mean spirits or <laughs> bad vibes. I don't want to say ghosts. Mean spirits and ghosts bad just, vibes. <laughs> <laughs> just a scare away bad vibes. <laughs> places so villagers disguise themselves in costumes made of animal skins to drive away any phantom visitors banquet tables would be uh, laid prepared full of food to um placate unwelcome spirits so it was like kind of a it was a way of being like don't do bad things here's some sweet corn and i totally get it look you're hungry you've been dead for a while <laughs> eat <laughs> yeah well, you're going to be going over to the other afterlife. It's like going to an airport where you don't know what food's on the other side of the security. So you have to so you better get eat prep. before you go through security just in yeah. case it's shit. <laughs> My theory, at least. I mean, that's also just an excuse to drink at breakfast. But yeah. yeah. This custom is also known as mumming, which dates back to the Middle Ages in our neck of the woods, which I find really interesting where you would dress up in ghostly demony costumes and you would perform silly things in exchange for food and drink and that was called mumming uh, early christian and medieval roots of trick-or-treating now this is moving away from guising and mumming in particular where there was a practice that was called souling which is a practice that was specifically taken up by children, which is the same kind of thing where they would perform little tricks or little magical, whimsical things or sing poems, sing poems. Yeah, sure. Sing poems in exchange for little treats of kinds of like fruit or ale, because at that time you just regularly got your kids drunk, which I find brilliant and hilarious. We were all drunk back then. So it's kind of this evolution of guising through to this point where poorer children would go to wealthier houses and dance for the rich people and the rich people would be like, here's some booze. (laughs) So that's kind of the evolution of it in the UK. However, trick-or-treating itself as a term didn't come in until the 1950s and that is specifically from America. And the first place that we can actually see it specifically in American culture and actually pop up as a word where we know it came from but it could have come from somewhere beforehand. 1952, where Donald Duck says trick or treat as he opens the door dressed in spooky clothes in a cartoon. Shut up, it's a Disney thing. Mm. So 
I'd love to hear your experience from when you were little. So I think there's give or take about 10 years between us. And when I was younger, it was probably at the time where things started to show a little bit of glimmer of moving more towards an American celebration of Halloween. And so we were kind of like, we want to do this thing called trick-or-treating. And it was it was quite frowned upon in some pockets because lots of the adults at the time who I knew, them, you know, my parents or my friend's parents were like, no, it's begging. <laughs> like we just turn up to people's homes and knock on their door and ask them to give you stuff for free. No, this is weird and it's not appropriate and it's we didn't have that tradition. So now I understand people are kind of embracing a more Americanization as you're saying of this kind of holiday where it becomes less weird. And I quite like the idea of is it you're supposed to put like if you've got a pumpkin outside your door then you're happy to receive children so I obviously remove my pumpkin away from the door because I'm not in the mood to receive children unless I'm going to eat them up I do feel like uh, I've got nothing against tradition I think if you live in a neighborhood of lots of families it's a really lovely thing to like all decide to do as a community I do think there is something a bit odd about knocking on people's doors and expecting them to give you shit if there's not some kind of pre-understanding that you're okay with this we're okay with this this is a way that we've chosen to do this holiday and in terms of the general kind of Americanization of Halloween, I know I'm kind of conflicted Like, because I love Halloween. So the idea that we would actually recognize this day more and celebrate it more and do traditional things is really lovely to me because I, I do think there's a, a wonderfulness to celebrating the cycle of the year. But equally, you know, it comes with a whole mm. hefty slice of profit making. It's not done in deference to the respect of the passing of the years and the old rituals. It's to do with making a fuck ton of money. Yeah, I don't like that at all. It's another buying 20 reindeers to go outside your house bullshit. No, I really love the roots of it. I loved Halloween from the minute I was old enough to enjoy all dark things and I loved the concept of death and skeletons and vampires and evil beasts and stuff. It's probably why my mum mm, wouldn't too. let me watch horror films because she was like you're good. <laughs> You've gone too far. <laughs> Calm down. And my friend's <laughs> little girl who I take trick-or-treating is very much the same. She loves darkness and it's because as a curiosity as a child you're interested in this what's outside of life, what is death. It's a really interesting time where you can play around with it and not be scared of it, especially if you're talking in a space where people are like, this is a part of life. Mm. And I know that when we first took her out, when she was like two, baby, 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 and she saw this huge, terrifying vampire and she was like, that's the shit. (laughs) And she was obsessed with vampires for like six months. Oh, that's so cute. And she'd constantly talk about them. Mm. And it'd be like, cool and you explain to her what they are she's like great sounds awesome give me some let's do it (laughs) so now every year she like plans a halloween costume so this year she wants us all to dress up as the adams family oh cute i'm thing (laughs) which is fun right (laughs) so that's fine i'm okay with it It was either thing or pugsley and i was like i'll take thing thank you i'll just wear black and just have a hand But anyway, so I when I grew up, I loved darkness and Halloween. My mum hated this kind of idea that you had to do a thing on Halloween. You had to do another event sort of stuff. But mm. then the dinner party hostess and her kind of started coming out. Just like, actually, <laughs> this is camp. She kind of got into it, but I loved it because I would go trick-or-treating quite early with all the young kids. But then all the kids would come to my house. And there was a real sense of community. I lived in the bottom of a cul-de-sac. It was really lovely. And kids could just kind of run around quite freely. And they'd come to your door and you'd 
see everyone's costumes and you'd ask how they were going how school everything and it was just like a really nice way of like sharing your food and feeling like really a part of the community and in a place where I grew up where we didn't have community like we didn't have like a neighborhood thing this was the one time a year that we had a neighborhood thing mm. which is really really lovely and I really like that also we had one neighbor who would pull pranks on us every year and they were terrifying like he would break into our house like dress as a full werewolf and it was fucking terrifying that sounds terrifying I <laughs> loved it I lived for it every year. I got so excited about this huge scare I was going to have. Yeah. My mum hated it, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> she was just I like, imagine. you come into my house one more time, I'm going to call the police. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I absolutely loved it. And that I love that that scare, that lovely jump. And it's really, really fun and exhilarating. But it's, it wasn't to the extent that it is now. Like, we didn't have that kind of high gate ridiculousness, that full Americanization of it. I like that it means that we go to each other's houses. Mm. I'm sad that I live in a space where I can't have trick-or-treaters to my space in particular because I would definitely have, like, a cauldron and stuff because I just love... I love meeting kids. And I love, like, that kind of, like, kiddie curiosity of death. And I think it's really good to nourish that. I agree. I hate that we shield children from darkness particularly when they love it <laughs> like you know you were talking about like being one of those kids I was definitely one of those kids I think it's quite common like if you look at older children's stories god they're fucked up and most of us are aware of like the original fairy tales are incredibly dark but even just the kids books that definitely I grew up with and, and probably you as well are super dark all, you know, all your roll dolls and stuff and one of my pet peeves is when they make these books into films they strip out so much of the darkness and that just makes me really angry because like you say it's it's really important for kids to process dark and scary things. In a safe and place. Exactly. Practice. Right. Because life is dark and scary. And if everything you see just shields you from that, you're not making healthy, robust children. No. <laughs> and kids love that shit. Witches and wizards and magic and evil spells and ghost stories and, and all of that. Like scaring yourself in a safe space. Like working through the idea that yeah. people die. Like understanding trauma in a way that's age specific is really important. Yeah. And also if you're constantly exposed to things that have no darkness... When you experience darkness in your life, you're not, well, like we say, you're not going to be able to talk about it properly because you haven't had any practice or any any space to do that. But you're going to think something's wrong with you because you've only been presented with a world that's rose tinted and not this like this at all. And you're going to it's you're going to feel like something's wrong, like something's gone wrong mm. when darkness is a part of life. And also, like for example, our nightmares are a way of us processing stresses and traumas and stuff. It's a way of our brain of dealing with a lot of stuff like that is negative in our day to day lives. So. In that simple aspect that we take mythological and complete abstract concepts to deal with harder things subconsciously is it just a strong argument for the fact that we should be doing that in our subconscious life because that's a really good way of exploring things. Oh my God, it drives me up the wall. I'm just mm. like, I love darkness and it's so important to invite it in because only when you invite it in do you have control over your mm. guest. Mm. If it breaks it, it's yeah. different. And I love it when they dress up like little witches. <laughs> little tiny witches and people who dress up their dogs. You can dress up your dog. Last year I dressed Naya up as a shark and I dressed as a mermaid and she was so unhappy. <laughs> 
me, Trixie Kicks, Bootsy Bonafonte, and our respective partners went to a doggy wine tasting called a Howler Wine. <laughs> it's one of the campest things I've ever been to and there was a dog fancy dress prize and both Darcy and Koki won prizes <gasps> and Naya didn't she got a participation ribbon I was raging raging <laughs> so angry <laughs> it's another reason why I shouldn't have children <laughs> I just imagine you being like a show mum for your dog be like five six seven eight you will smile smile <laughs> <laughs> um, I do pumpkin every year and it's always called Osmond. I think I must be on like Osmond the 14th. <laughs> I don't know why. why. I don't know. I just Aussie. like naming inanimate objects. No, not Aussie. Osmond. <laughs> I haven't carved a pumpkin yet. I'll do it next week. A treat to myself. Yeah, I haven't done it yet. It's just nice to have around. And also like there's the simple like presentation of the pumpkin. It's like the reason that we have that is because um, squashes are in a plenty this time of year and it, they would be the thing that would last the most throughout the winter months and it's so it's just this real lovely cycle of food which i think is really important also because it was the harvest festival which is in line with halloween and christianity we got a huge donation to the food bank last week so thank you very much for the harvest um oh, for the religious schools in the nice. area giving a harvest festival donations if you could encourage the people to do that more often that'd be super <laughs> I've forgotten about that. We used to do that at my Catholic school, Harvest Festival. Yeah, and you collect food to give to people who need it. Yeah. I don't know if that exists in non-religious schools. Yeah, I don't think it does. I think... We should do. I would like to bring back the Harvest Festival aspect of Halloween, where that if that is part of Halloween, that'd be really nice. Like Not necessarily trick-or-treating, but like giving food to people who need it and sharing of food and community. <sighs> So, you going to dress up as anything nice? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I was going to ask something. So, uh, in my lapsed Catholicness, so Catholics obviously don't celebrate Halloween because it's a pagan festival, but we do have All Saints Day, which we is do. on the 1st of November. And I know literally nothing about the <laughs> back ends of that. Isn't it All Souls Day, not All Saints oh, Day? Oh, good question. Hang on, I've got it up. Cool. Okay, so the church designated November the 2nd as All Souls Day, a time of honouring the dead. Celebrations in England resembled Celtic commemorations of Samhain, complete with bonfires and masquerade. And this is where poor people would visit the houses of the wealthier and receive small tokens in exchange for little... Oh, hang on. I've got my facts wrong. Mm. Souling isn't when you sing and dance. Souling is when you receive treats from rich people in exchange for prayers for the souls of the house owners' dead relatives. Oh. Sorry, I just cross-referenced that to my notes and I got that wrong earlier. Oh, hang on. So the 1st of November is All Saints Day. The 2nd of November is All Souls Day. Is that what it is? Mm. Ah, we just love this time of year. There's a real link between the flamboyance of Halloween in America along with how colonisers... And people who went over to America celebrated Guy Fawkes and that being a similar time of year, okay. which I find interesting because oh. it'd be like, obviously Guy Fawkes is the 5th of November and it'd be people carrying around like effigies and be celebrating the fiery blaze of a human being. Exciting. I don't celebrate Guy Fawkes really, do you? Bonfire night. No, not really. I think, well, it's an outside activity and in previous years, 
normally the big things that would happen would be on the Saturday and we're always at work. And <laughs> if it happens on another day that I'm so knackered from everything that's happened around Halloween work time, I was going out standing in the fucking cold and staying inside. <laughs> but actually, mm. it is quite lovely, like watching a bonfire. Sparklers! You remember sparklers? And when you could, you had to use them with gloves, otherwise you'd burn your hands and somebody always burns their fingertips. And uh, yeah, fireworks and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't done that in years. Every Guy Fawkes, I make leek and potato soup because that's what my mum nice. used to make. And it makes me happy. I make it for my neighbours. That's really lovely. I'm like, enjoy this really unflavoured soup. <laughs> 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 do you have any traditions for your Halloween then? So you do your pumpkin Osmond. I do my pumpkin Osmond and then I leave it burning somewhere safe all night because I think that's probably a mashup of a few things like lighting a candle to help the souls find their way to the to the next plane. Um, and I guess to light the way for the ones travelling over. So I always do that. And um, yeah, I'll try and eat like squashes and spiced things and all of those like hearty autumnal vegetables. Cloves. That kind of rich flavouring. Mm, yeah, yeah. And well, it coincides this year, as we've mentioned, with a full moon. So the... Oh, Buckle in, people. I mean, full moons are pretty crazy. And Halloween always has something in the air, which is why I always love it. Like, you can always just feel the zing. I think you said this at the start of the episode, in the air. And I remember feeling that and then reading about what it means in pagan tradition and being like, oh my God, this makes so much sense. This is why the night feels different to every other night. It's alive. Yeah. And combining that with the full moon, I mean, people are crazy enough at the moment. It's going to get wild. Oh my God. Just look after yourself, everyone. (laughs) I'm praying for the midwives. That's what I'm praying for. Oh, is it a big birth period, full moon? So there's a theory that there's more births on full moon than any other. This has actually technically just recently been disproven. Oh, that's a shame. But midwives, (laughs) there's a lot of midwives who are like, okay, there may not be more births, but they're more hectic the wards are always more alive and there's always a saying i've been like when they're like having a weird night being like what the fuck's going on as someone be like full moon they're like all right okay oh wow yeah think of the midwives yeah think of the midwives (laughs) it's gonna get crazy The Uh, so this halloween will be a great time to do any kind of increasing power on anything and we again talked about this in a little bit of witchcraft it's like it's a great time to kind of double down on what you want in your life and it's a great time to reflect like i always do try on halloween evenings take some time just to reflect and just to write some stuff down about like how i feel about the year that's gone how i feel about the year that's coming obviously saying a final farewell to people but also i think it's it's nice to say a farewell to just things that you want to close the door to like things that you want to be rid of um i guess it'd be interesting because the the actual like let's all wait for a new moon on halloween would be i think a perfect fusion of all of this energy of like releasing and and letting go and kind of acknowledging so it would be interesting like halloween but with the, the the potency and the kind of magnification that a full moon brings Oh, yeah, that'll be really delicious. It'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a really... I think you're totally right. I think this Halloween, coming up to it in particular, I'm going to start thinking about the things that I want to leave behind and the things that I want to pass through mm. to whatever plane and things that I want to welcome in and joyous stuff. I think it'd be quite nice because this will be my first Halloween that I'm not running around like a lunatic, so maybe I'll enjoy the witchy side of it, which would be nice. Are you doing any shows? do one show the tg show that i'm doing the pearl necklace um if it goes ahead of course with the, the everything we say on this show everything we talk about is like 
if it happens. Mm. So I'll be in there and then out of there. I'll be out by like 9.30, which means that I have plenty of time to come home, light some candles, do some rituals, have a nice time, Mm. have a wank, do some drawing. Be great. Pour myself a nice big glass of red wine. Drink the blood of the souls that have passed. Exactly. Mm. I'm also like in a place where I'll pay respect to all the nights that I took for granted. All those Halloweens that have basically funded my existence. Halloween is my favourite time of year because of the ghosty, wonderful dark elements and the death and all that. But also anyone who knows me or my career, my work tends to be so suitable for Halloween. So this is the time of year where I'd get booked. Um, I used to get booked in advance. In fact, I was almost fully booked when COVID hit for the late night slots for the week, but obviously all got cancelled because of doing the freaky stuff. So I would tend to do between five and eight gigs in the night, specifically on the Halloween week. Mm. And I probably would work 14 days straight through. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And this year I would have worked 14 days straight through because Halloween falls bang in the middle of it. So you'd have two weeks. You'd have the week either side, which is for me the perfect, perfect time because you're like, oh, when is Halloween? It's all the time. Mm. So yeah, I'm going to spend like a nice time remembering running around town and enjoying that part of my career and being grateful that I've had that money come in in the past. Because I don't really get booked at Christmas because Christmas is not really my no, cup of tea. Don't go for that no. grinchy look. No. <laughs> uh, so in celebration of your wild Halloween's past, have you got any favourite Halloween gigs? The first year that I hit Halloween right where I was like, fuck it. I'm going to do as many gigs as I physically can. It's not the gigs individually. It was the way that I did it, which made me really happy. The first time that happened was around about six years ago. And I had my first time where I had seven gigs in a night and they all had around about 20 minutes, 30 minutes between each showtime. And so I hired someone with a motorbike to wait outside each venue. Um, So I went to the venues beforehand and laid out the specific costumes that they wanted. So if I had to do changes... But I basically just went in, ran on stage, came back out, jumped on the back of a motorbike and got to the next gig within like seven, ten minutes. And I planned this route and I just remember feeling like, oh, so this is my domain. <laughs> I remember being like, oh, OK, so Halloween's the thing that I need to push for every year. So after that, I remember being like, nah, this is exactly how I'm going to do it. I haven't used a motorbike every year. Like I didn't use a motorbike last year because I didn't need to, because I made a decision that instead of doing like eight gigs in a night, I was going to do five and triple my fee, (laughs) which worked out much better. But yeah, two years ago, my favourite one that's ever happened was like something that happens on Halloween is people get a lot more gropey and a lot more touchy. Oh, really? Is that because everybody's like... (laughs) Yeah, do you not notice? Because everyone's like dressed up. So they're like, is that real? Is that real? The amount of times that people point at my contact lenses and like that are snake eyes and be like, are those contacts? You're like, no. No. And they're like, oh my God. You're like, oh my shitting God. Or when people look at my makeup and they're like, oh my God, I got dressed up too. And you look at them, you're like, please don't compare us. (laughs) (laughs) Or the amount of like cultural appropriations you just wander past in the street. Mm -hmm. But there's one year where a woman panicked as I was walking through the crowd to get to performance area, which I say performance area. It was the middle of a dance floor, but no spacing. Like I just had to do a performance in the middle of a dance floor. But like looking back now, I'm like, of course, I would love to do that. Touch another human. And I walked past a girl. She panicked and I was dressed up as a lizard. If you if you're listening to this and you want to know what I look like as a lizard, go on my Instagram. It's one of my iconic looks where I have prosthetics to make my face look like a reptilian. And I love it. She panicked. She 
wanted to remove my mask. So she grabbed my <gasps> face, pulled my mask off my face. Because people, when they panic and they're drunk or they're high, do stupid shit. I will understand that. But she was like, ah! grabbed and pulled. Jeez. And she pulled the mask off my face. But as she pulled the mask off my face, it revealed my face underneath. And the blood curdling scream that came out of her lungs for seeing my real face. <laughs> was worth it was worth it a million times over she dropped it and ran and i was just like this is the weirdest oh halloween my goodness well, what happens after that you have to go back to the dressing room and redo your whole face oh i just stuck it back on it was like a big prosthetic she didn't do any damage luckily i was really pissed off and then i just went on and did the show about 10 minutes later oh yeah yeah so <laughs> it wasn't too awful. bad oh it is but awful, also but looking story. back now i'm like <laughs> <laughs> And I love making people scream. It's one thing I really miss about COVID is about that people are really restraining themselves from making noises when I do bad things to my body. Oh, oh I know. On. It's one of the things I hate most about the shows because not being able to be close to people and not being able to, people feeling like they can't react and whoop and stuff is, I think, yeah, the the sad part. Mm, it's very static. It's the bit that we miss. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Any good Halloween stories? Um... No. <laughs> no, I don't think so. But again, like Halloween, like I used to have a Black Widow act and did that for a few years. And then I don't really have any Halloween specific acts. And then I wanted to create the Lady Death act. And you all know how that turned out from episode one. Um, and I, I am, this is literally my nightmare for the past few weeks is <laughs> redoing this act. So it will be the second time I'm going to perform this act is going to be this Saturday. The first time I performed it was at the Burlesque Idol final, which was last November. And then it's been two years in the making before that this act is is going to ironically kill me so (laughs) (laughs) and obviously when I came up I'm like this will be the thing that I can market for Halloween it's perfect (laughs) so that marketing plan's not working out so well so far but I'm hopeful that I've nailed what this act is I've gone through my third music incarnation so those of you who are signed up to my patreon will laugh because about three months ago i was like i've had this custom made track remixed for lady death it's going to be brilliant no one has it you've got an exclusive preview of it here's the link listen to it this is what i'll be creating next to anyway obviously forgot about it listened to it two weeks ago and was like oh this won't do at all this track doesn't go anywhere there's no climax to it yeah, it's a brilliant remix, but like a lot of remix of dance music, it kind of hits its level and it just stays there. So I've I've redone it again. <laughs> oh, mate, are you all right? Yeah, oh, I think those so. Those of you listening, I've recently just spent time with her fantastic Lady Death costume because Tempest and I did a photo shoot together in a graveyard. And it was hands down one of the funniest photo shoots <laughs> I've done in a long time. It was marvellous. And it is a beautiful costume. Yeah, it's stunning. I've now structured the act in my head to the music and I've worked out which costume I'm going to keep and which I'm not going to use and how it's going to work. So I actually feel like I'm a pretty good place to do it on Friday. I don't think I can do it with projection on Friday, but I think for the week after, because they have the ability to use projection at Century, which is where our Hasselbalesque salon is, it's supposed to have like fire front projection as it did in... uh, So dear listeners, a couple of years ago, I created a show that was based around my own funeral. And this act is sort of a solo version of a a commingling of things that came out of that routine. And I did front projection onto a white dress of fire for 
before that, uh, which is supposed to be part of this routine. But I think I can actually do it in the venue that we're in. I was going to say, the other thing is like, what about one of those tiny mini projectors? Oh, that too. Um, yeah. Well, it's only the second half I performed it. And as luck would have it, I actually happen to be in a venue that can do the projector for it. <laughs> but yes, going forward, um, definitely something mm. to look into because it is, it's not essential to the act, but obviously it's like the act as it was mm. envisaged. So fingers crossed that I can finally birth this motherfucker three years later in time for Halloween. Is this what it feels like to be an overdue pregnant person? Yeah, it must be. Who spent probably about three to four grand on the baby and it's not even born yet. (laughs) I'm so sorry, mate. That's just that is... This is without a doubt my most expensive costume and it's had one outing and done a photo shoot. (laughs) Uh, To be fair, I think Captain would have been like that if I hadn't have had the House of Burlesque show because it just got bought into that and then it was just done, 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 done over and over and over again. But I think if I made it, it would be maybe brought out (laughs) four times a year. Yeah, actually, it is very similar to that because also, yeah, I know you had similar teething troubles of just like getting it right, like working out the act. But I also didn't have a choice in terms of there was a deadline. Yeah. There was going to be a time where I was on stage. And I think sometimes that really helps me with acts. Like, even though like it's a bit restrictive, it's really good to be like, no, 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 no. This is when it's going on stage and there will be a run of them. Okay. Yeah, it super helps. I think I can't create yeah. anything about deadlines. And like you say, in having a run, like it didn't just have to be ready for the first 2.0. It had to be done every night for a week and then for like a whole summer. So oh, yeah, and by the end of it, I was like, oh, I know how to do this act. This is great. And it's an amazing own. So I'm hoping Thanks. that I'll get to that stage. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I think we've pretty much done everything about Halloween. We've talked it to death. Yeah, because the other stuff this I have written Halloween. down is all death-based, but we can save that. I would love to do death the episode. Yes, let's do that. We should also do money the episode. Money makes the world go round, the world go round. It does, though. I am a money magnet. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Demi was telling me that she um, listens to the same person you listen to yeah. and heard that and had the same reaction. I was like, brilliant. Yeah, she sent me that message. That was super lol. Oh, absolute lols. So, it's not burlesque unless you've opened your suitcase to find out that one of the bottles of fake blood you have is completely exploded all over your thousand pounds worth of costume. Luckily, it's sugar-based, so none of that's going to stain. Oh, wow. Which costume? It wasn't. It didn't happen to me. It happened to someone else. Oh, no. Where they opened their suitcase. The reason they found out was because I was walking behind them, and as they're wheeling, I was like, have you got a body in your suitcase? And they're like, what? And I was like, because you're just trailing blood everywhere and they're like what and they opened it and it was just like this pool of blood that had just like exploded all over their costumes they wore those costumes i mean great for that night maybe yeah. not so great after yeah no so you know we should have a moment on halloween for all of the fallen suitcases costumes acts that will never be performed again <laughs> oh my god yeah uh it's not burlesque unless it has a whatsapp group oh, fuck off <laughs> I'm going to add you to one today. Oh, God. What, why does it have to have WhatsApp groups or Facebook groups? Facebook groups are old now. WhatsApp groups. Because they're a useful way of disseminating information and broadcasters are annoying. Okay. Yes. But important information should be in an email. Important information, yes. But information on the moment. We do not use them a lot as a producer because otherwise, I'm either having to text people individually. I haven't got time for that. Or not everything's an email. Um. So email 
I always tend to send things in like bulk emails in like to people individually so they all have their own individual thread that way I'm just like keep on top of it I stay away from WhatsApp groups in general because I hate how people talk to each other in them I'm like this isn't for you this is for me and people comment random shit and stuff like the WhatsApp groups that I'm a part of in other things like I'm just like it's 80% rambly memes and bullshit that I don't need to be a part of you screwed you mean screwed no I just I just I have I'm, I'm also usually friends with like all the people that are in that WhatsApp group so I'm like so you can talk to them at once no that's not what business is for this is I think the only place where I'm like harsher in business than you are I'm like no do you not have that and the speakeasy group which I love when is it ever used for business well it ended up being more of a social group and now I guess everybody's fragmented into their own little bits mm. but don't worry soon you'll have a salon group <laughs> Because I can't be bothered to message everybody individually. That's fine. Because it takes up too much of my time. That is fine. When it's a regular show like yours, I don't mind. But when it's like one show, it doesn't need it. No, what's up great for one show? It irritates me. Sorry, there's the street cleaners outside. Hi, street cleaners. Thank you for working hard. Thank you for cleaning my car park. (laughs) Oh, this is fun. (laughs) So... A huge thank you to our producer editor Rich for basically surviving this with us on every level and 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 cutting this out so that you don't hear how much of a dick we really are. Please do follow them on their Instagram handles, which are in all the links and all the bios. Please go away and love them. Also, they have amazing photography Instagram as well, and I highly recommend that you check out their podcast which is I Might Be Wrong UK or I Might Be Wrong UK, whichever way you want to say it. And yeah, absolutely massive, massive huge thank you to Richie Ruse. And thank you also to Rosie Verbose as always for our brilliant jingle that I hope you've sung in the shower, you've sung on your commute, you've sung getting ready to go out on a night out, you've sung cooking in your kitchen, because uh, I have done all those things. I really, really hope it's like that song that you can't get out of your head one day and you're just mm. like, oh, for fuck's sake, I would really like that. I'd like that too. Uh, please mm. go check out their work. Their tags are in uh, every episode link and also the work of their cabaret collective invisible cabaret who focus around mental health and have some great resources and wonderful performance pieces on their instagram and uh, at their live shows uh, when they are up and running Woo! Ooh, 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 ooh. and also thank you to all of you who have signed up to our patreon patreon for everything patreon for you patreon for you <laughs> patreon for you <laughs> you're really patreon no that didn't work okay scrap that um you please do check out our Patreon. The link is in the bio. Lolo's making a horrified face at me because I tried a joke and it just, it well, it will be passing over into the other planes. It was so bad. The death was so spectacular that we can actually give it a couple of seconds of recognition as it crosses over into the other planes on Halloween evening. Um, <laughs> So uh, we're going to be dropping another little extra snippet on that this week. And um, we have our first Boss Bitch Botanicon. So we would like to say a special credit to Gin Salt supporter Faye Wildfire. We're going to do a little, going to do a little spooky chromatic scale for you. Faye Wildfire. If 
you'd like us to brutalise your name at the end of the podcast, you too can sign up for this tier. And uh, when there is a few of you, I'll write you all a little jingle. How's that? Aww. We've got to stop making promises. I know. Because then we'll have to do them. <laughs> like, we've made so many promises. Like, if you sign up to this, this and this, then we'll do this. And then when it comes to it, we're like, what did we say we'd do? You can have my left nipple mounted on your wall. <laughs> we're poor. Anyway. And a huge, huge, massive, wet, slapping, spooky, ghostly thank you to all of you who tune in, wash, 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 wash? no, tune in, tune in and wash. Thank all you for washing, uh, your hands particularly. <laughs> Let's be that's coronavirus. Right, that's what I was saying. Yeah, there we go. That's what I was doing. But also thank you for listening, washing your hands and listening. Like, that's absolutely wonderful. In fact, what you should be doing is washing your hands while singing the theme tune to our song. (gasps) Wash your hands for the length of the theme tune. Yeah, I think it's twice through probably. I think it's longer than 10 seconds. No, let's not do that. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, we, we love you. And thank you for sharing and posting in stories and following us on all our social medias it's things like that that really help us so we really really do appreciate it and we love that you tune in and enjoy all those delicious things um so please keep doing it it's really really important to us um please do follow us at gin salt podcast on all social media platforms and get in touch but mainly instagram because we don't actually really use the other ones we really don't like (laughs) the other ones if you could just stick to instagram that would be great yeah yeah. Rich says the jingle is 45 seconds. If you want to be extra COVID safe, <laughs> you could use the jingle for that. Uh, in fact, you could probably wash your hands, pick up your phone and then rate the podcast on your listening platform. <laughs> They're all within the dulcet tones of Rosie for Base. Sounds fantastic. Sounds great. No excuses. None. Not a single one. And <laughs> go and do something nice on Halloween for yourself. Yeah. And if you are waiting for this year to end, the good news is... is depending on what calendar you subscribe to, you could celebrate the year end on the 31st of October, team. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. Maybe treat yourself to a little little you new year. Yeah. Oh, wait. Is that why people go crazy on Halloween? Because it is another form of new year. Oh, we'll discuss a new year at one point. Fuck me sideways. <laughs> new year, same old bitch. <laughs> and on that note, We'll see you next Tuesday. We'll see you next Tuesday if we survive. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) (sighs) Marvellous. So you want to be a showgirl, a star of cabaret, but the closure of the theatres leaves a hole in your heart and in your day. Well, here's two artists who miss burlesque gigs, performing and acting moronic. People who, when life gives them lemons, just slice them up for a gin and tonic. They put the mock in mocktail, the cock in cocktail. Let them show you how. It's gin salt with tempest rose and low, low brown. Give us your attention. Have you heard the good mm. news <laughs> of Rose and Brown? <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, Rose and Brow. Hang on, so we're Row? No, Bros. Bros. Oh my bros, god, we're the Bros. 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 bros, bros. <laughs>